Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 74 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Chris Irons to discuss Luke's arrival on Dagobah in The Empire Strikes Back, from his X-Wing losing power to maybe I'm just being crazy. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Chris. Hello, Eric. Hello. Now, I'm not going to try the voice, but talk about Dagobah, we will. (laughs) So you can do it. I can't. I can't. A little bit. A little bit. I'm English. I'm far too self-conscious to do anything like that. (laughs) But you and I, I mean, the last time um, we talked Star Wars, we were talking Empire Strikes Back, weren't we? We were talking on the Battle of Hoth special that we did. Yes, we did. But here we are again. Um, we're off of Hoth now. And actually, this is straight after that. They've gone their separate ways. The Falcon goes one way. The X-Wing goes the other. So uh, next time we'll have to talk Star Wars, we'll have to do Bespin or something like that with you, I think. I, you, I, don't have to, I, I will say yes to that one, too. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Now, I know The Empire Strikes Back is a lot of people's favorite Star Wars film. Is it yours? I would have to say yes. I, I, yes, I'm I'm on the I'm on the bus of all the rest, but Jedi is right behind it, and a, a New Hope, yeah, it's the original, obviously, but it's not my favorite. I know it's yours, I think, isn't it? It is. Yeah. My my next question was going to be: I, I know you've just seen. It might be a bit unfair for you. I know you've just seen Solo. Um, is it too early for you to actually put Solo into a ranking system? Do you need to see it a few more times? And if that is a bit unfair, could you rank the others? Is it possible for you to do that? Well, this is the weirdest thing because Tim and I have always spoken about we're done ranking these. Like you know, we it's enough is enough. They're they're all you like some and you hate some. I could definitely rank the um, the OT trilogy and I could rank the prequels, but I can't put in there Rogue One. I even can't put in there like Last Jedi. Force Awakens, and now Solo. There's too many mm. to, like, say, this is my favorite and this is my least favorite. They all have their moments. And also, I mean, we've said this before, in that it's unfair. How, how can you compare, you know, your thoughts and feelings on, say, Rogue One and Last Jedi when it's only been out, you know, a year or two or three years compared to something that, that's been in your life since you were a small child and have grown up with. You can't emotionally compare the two because they're complete, two complete different things, aren't they? Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And like with us, who we've been around since 1977 or earlier, to see these things start, I would love to have a kid who's 10 years old out there and say, hey, here's all the Star Wars films. You watch them all. You rank them. Because hmm. I know for a fact that our classics will be their least favorites. Yeah, there is that element of they might find the first Star Wars, you know, a bit slow paced, if you like, right. and the effects not, um, um, you know, quite up to what they're used to. They might find the stop motion work in 
Empire Strikes Back with the walkers a bit hokey because they've never seen anything like it you've got a child of 10 years old that's never grown up with the Muppets or Sesame Street might have a problem yeah. with Yoda because it's or, or Jabba's court it's like what are these things because they're just used to CGI stuff aren't they yeah they're used to someone behind a computer screen Pixaring whatever they can do and it looks amazing yes but they, they don't know how much talent and effort was was put into the, no. the classic films? Because they got no frame of reference. Yeah, yeah, you, you know? you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, and um, this is why I can't compare, you know, the Rogue Ones and the Last Jedi's and Force Awakens too much to the originals because the original special effects has changed so much. Uh, if you watch the first Star Wars, the spacecraft and that very often just go left to right, don't they? Yeah. Um, and up and down. Whereas now you're up and down and you're swooping around this, that, that, that. You can't compare them. That the Films aren't made the same way. I mean, I'd like to see a new Star Wars film made in exactly the same way as they made, say, A New Hope, you know, yeah. with, with regards camera angles and editing. Now everything is edited very, very fast, isn't it? I, I was talking to Wade about this when we did the Rogue One episode in that... If you compare the Return of the Jedi um, uh, battle around the Death Star, um, in a way, looking at, at it from a point of editing, and then look at it from Rogue One, you can't compare the two because now, because everything's done on computers and edited in computers, you can cut things really, really tightly close together, whereas when it was actually film that you were splicing together you couldn't do that much because you know your your splicing tape <laughs> would be overlapping with the last splice you know so they're completely different films now being made to they were back in 77 80 or 83 yeah and and it makes you wonder let's you know 10 20 years from now what's movies going to look like then like how's mm. it going to tie what's what's going on now you know well, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know, is there going to be a 4D? Uh, is Sensoround coming back? Is it a smell thing? I mean, you know, I, we, we've been to like Legoland and, you know, you've got some 3D thing and smoke's being thrown at you and there's smells being fired at you. You know, God knows what's going to happen well, next. Well, I think I, I think I heard there's there's 4D theaters out there, like maybe one in New York and L.A. or There's only a few or something right. where your chair moves and if it's raining, mist hits you and if it's burnt rubber tires, you smell burnt rubber tires like everything that you see is happening to you in in your seat, which is you know kind of cool, but to a point, you know. I'd like to have the job of the person at the front of the theatre, you know, <laughs> throwing things at the audience and being paid for it. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, what do you do? Well, I, I throw fake snow at people all day long. Yeah. <laughs> You've just reminded me. Um. Um. In London, uh. There used to be this big thing at the London Dungeon, which is sort of like Madame Tussauds, you know, um, all about the horror of history, you know, because Britain's got a pretty horrible history of, you know, torture and everything. And uh, there was one exhibit there and everybody's folding. It's very, very dark and, it, and there's just light on the stage and it's actually somebody going to be guillotined. All right. Oh, okay. And, and, and the, du the dummy is there and everything and blah, 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 blah. And it's pretty scary stuff and then as the guillotine comes down to cut the person's head head off the lights go out and you get sprayed with water but because you're so into it you, you come out blood. wiping your face thinking it's blood <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah because your mind is so you know focused on what you're seeing and is what just about to happen you make make this involuntary mental leap and it could be that's what the next 
evolution of cinema is is to involve people more and and get a, a more of a sensory you know uh, overload rather than just what you're seeing and you're hearing it's like um gallagher you got to put on a whatever like a protective <laughs> sheet so you don't get all wet and off in the watermelon good god yeah and that's reminding me um I, do you know there was a film back in the 50s it was a william castle film called the tingler and uh, okay. it was this creature okay uh, which electrocuted its, its victims and um before the film started in the auditorium that's uh, or halfway through i can't remember the, the the right way but it's something about ladies and gentlemen what you've been watching is actually real the tingler has escaped it's somewhere in this auditorium watch out and they actually hooked up one of the seats to uh, electricity and they would electrocute somebody you know? no yeah yeah only enough to make them shoot up uh, out of their seat but yeah it it i was still again i'd like to have had that job of pulling that lever to electrocute a member of the public <laughs> That, was, that it reminds me of the scene from Ghostbusters when the guy's chewing his gum and he gets yeah. shot. <laughs> that used to get such a laugh. I used to watch that over and over again when, when his gum fell out like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then he puts it back in his mouth afterwards. Yeah, he deserved that shock with that perm that he had. He deserved that yes. shock, didn't he? Yeah, he definitely. Did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's go ahead and have a clip, and then okay. we'll get into this. Okay. Already. Yep, that's it. Dagobah. No, I'm not going to change my mind about this. I'm not picking up any cities or technology. Massive life form readings, though. There's something a lot down there. Yes, I'm sure it's perfectly safe for droids. Are dead. I can't see a thing. Just hang on. I'm gonna start the landing cycle. Right, our sequence starts with Luke and R2 arriving at Dagobah, and Luke saying that, yep, it's Dag Dagobah, all right. And this X Wing cockpit is fabulous when you see it, Luke sat it in his really cockpit. It really is. Yes. I know that tubing that you see, that, that, that rib tubing, is from a washing machine. You know, and I know that all those bits and pieces, everything that looks very technical and busy and everything, it's just pieces of junk from aircraft scrapyards. But it's done so well that, you know, everything in it is believable. You you, you believe that that is a working starship, don't you? It, it totally is. And, and you know, like, I always wonder, did they just build a piece... And it's like it's like one of those old kitty uh, horsey rides going back and forth, or are there people holding it and jiggling it around? So they looks like they're you know flying and hitting turbulence and everything. It looks it's so good. And I was looking for some kind of defect, but it looks so good. Yep, it does. No, what they've got there is they've done a mock-up of the cockpit, and you just have a little bit of the wings. So when you're looking at Luke and you can see out the side of the windows you see those like curvy bits that are on the top of the the wings each side and yeah you're right it was on a gimbal so the the you know the grips outside could just shake it when they needed to you know to get a bit of movement to it so that's, that's exactly that's, what they did that's how every movie should be made from that point on even today <laughs> i mean no more computers have We've a been grip saying, guy i mean it. this I mean, you've really got to feel for Ewan McGregor and all the guys that made the prequels when it's just a green screen that they had to act. When mm -hmm. you're actually sat in something like this. I mean, they, they did this with Rogue One, didn't they? They, they, they actually had people in 
X-wing cockpits and Y-wing I cockpits, think so. and, and yes. it's brilliant. And you know the technology that you've got now, um, they actually had large TV screens all the way around the actors, you know, showing them the stars and that, so they could actually see, you know, what they're meant to be seeing, which was right. even better, you know. Yes, yes. There's there's like, there's no tennis balls on a stick. No, <laughs> in the Empire movie. You know? No, 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 no tennis balls in this. No, no. Um, as is always, whenever um, I talk about Star Wars, um, I like to look at you know the original version and compare it to the Blu-ray and special edition versions. Um, okay. Which is something that I did here, and we've got a Blu-ray change right here when Luke is talking to R two. Um, in the original release, um, the blue part of R 2s dome there was completely black all right oh okay yeah now the reason it's completely black and this is the reason why you barely saw any blue in the original star wars films was they used this thing called blue screen didn't they which is you know you film something oh. in front of a blue screen you take the blue away and then you put the background in so because r2d2's blue on his dome was the same shade of blue as their blue screen originally his uh, blue sections on his dome were black because they were just the stars, if you like. It was space, okay? Um, I didn't think it, of that, yeah. Yeah, you, you you go back and check. It also happens in the first Star Wars during the uh, the trench run scene. If you look at R2-D2 in, in the original version, yeah, his, uh, his dome sections are black and not blue. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so for the Blu-ray, yeah, they've been turned back to blue. They're quite a vibrant blue as well. What's this is a dumb question. What's the difference between blue screen screen and green screen? It doesn't matter. It, it, okay. uh, you could have a yellow screen. You could have a pink screen. I mean, the only oh, okay. limitation you've got is, you know, if you've got a green screen, nobody can be wearing green. You can't have a vehicle that's green. You know, I mean. Also, I mean, that's why, you know, in the original script for Star Wars, it wasn't Red Squadron, it was Blue Squadron. But when they decided to use blue screen, they couldn't because, you know, all the blue all the blue stripes and everything on the X-Wings would be black. That's why they changed okay. it to Red Squadron. I much prefer Red Squadron. I, I, I think the X-Wings look much better with uh, red stripes on them than they would have with blue, I think. I totally agree. Okay. I, I just thought, I really did think there was two different kind of, like one did something and one did something else kind of thing. No, you know? no, 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 no. It can be any color you like. It just means that you can't use that color on anything else because it will just disappear or change to the background. Okay. All right. Well, Luke says he's not picking up any signs of cities or technology, but yeah, I, I like the way he goes, there's a massive life form readings down there. I don't know why he goes like that. You like did did he say massive life forms or life form more than one? Yeah, life form readings, readings okay. plural. Yeah, was that like just like creatures? Do you think like or monsters or? Wow, Yoda. Well, see, I, I've I've got a question about all this. Okay, okay, um, because he says there's a massive life form readings, right? So okay, um, and at that they fly down into the clouds and they instantly have trouble. Because all the yes. he says all the scopes are dead, and Luke says that he'll start the landing cycle, okay, which presumably means that the ship will start to land itself. It goes on remote control. Um, all right. Now, okay. when he loses control like that, is this Yoda's doing? Okay, is this Yoda that's doing it? They're using the force to bring him down right by him. Because if he didn't, that's heck of a coincidence. He he crashes in a lake walking distance away from Yoda's hut. 
And so, Dagobah is a big planet, correct? <laughs> it's well, yeah. We don't know how big it. I, 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 we don't know how big it is, but yeah, it's pretty darn big. So yeah. Um, and also, we've just seen in Last Jedi that that Yoda, even when he's a Force ghost, can bring down lightning from the sky. So I don't know. Maybe huh. this. Um, I mean, there are living things on Dagobah. You see it, you know. And yeah. so yeah, yeah. That, at that point, the readings must be true in that but yes straight after that everything goes wrong and i i reckon it's yoda it's yoda doing this but does does like stupid question does yoda know that luke is on his way does ben tell yoda oh hey, i'm sure be- of it i'm sure of okay. it yeah so he, he must he, he, must have he knows who luke out. luke is because he's playing that game isn't he i, I i'll help you find the yes. jedi master and everything he's playing a game um but i've got another question about this and that is Luke takes off and he goes to Bespin. Um, he comes back to see Yoda in Return of the Jedi. How does he know where Yoda is on that big planet? Because he flies down to it and he lands. But how? How does do you, he communicate do, with Yoda? Do you think like when the X-Men was going down and then all of a sudden there's some kind of map or something and like, psh, oh, it goes out? Do you yeah, think it could be still like, in there? Yeah, 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 he might have a black box recorder that black actually box. told him where he landed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. There you go. That's what, that's right. what happened then. Okay. <laughs> yes. So he's going out of control, um, and we get a POV shot of, of the ship hitting branches, and uh, eventually it crashes into the water. Did you notice? It's always sounded it to me, but when the X-Wing crashes, it sounds an awful like the sound effect of the noise of a walker stepping. I didn't even notice that. Like when it hit, when it's finally hitting the yeah, when it water. hits, yeah, it sounds like a walker taking a step. It really does. Uh, I did. I have to watch that scene again because I didn't even catch that. Yeah, go back and have a listen. And um, I, I've got that Sound of Star Wars book. All right. Okay. And I thought, I wonder if this is it. And I went along, and uh, um, no, there's no mention of what that noise actually is. But it sounds an awful lot like a walker to me. That's that's cool because he does hit a lot of vines and branches on the way down, and he and the way it looked like it was a pretty safe, a safe crash landing kind of thing because it wasn't mm. really like pieces falling off. He just hit the water and ugh, and that was it. Well, what, what, once it's been brought back up out the water later in the film, I mean, it flies perfectly fine. So yeah, that was a pretty yeah. soft landing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And you're, and now your your theory of Yoda bringing him down with the force kind of thing makes so much sense like he, he could have gotten hurt or something unless it yeah. is yoda messing with him he could have brought him down very gently but he just wants to shake him up a bit you know Ooh. it could have been it yes. could have been quite a nice gentle little flight down but he it, it's like um yoda's shaking it you know <laughs> yes just, Yoda's just to a rattle him. <laughs> he is. He is. I like the Yoda in Empire Strikes Back. I mean, we got a little bit of this old style Yoda, you know, in Last Jedi, the mischievous, you know, funny, you mm-hmm. know, eccentric Yoda. Not, 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 not the straight lace pain in the ass one that we got in the prequels. This one is actually, you know, he, he's terrific fun. And he could have been. He could have just been having fun with young Skywalker. And all the years I've seen this movie, I've never once thought that Yoda was bringing him down gently and fooling around with him. I just thought he crashed. But right. now my now everything changes. Seriously. <laughs> my whole thoughts now Yoda is, is out the window. Yeah. We get a terrific long shot of the X-Wing landed. Um, that, that really beautiful widescreen shot. And that's mostly a matte painting. Um, all the trees and everything in the background is a matte painting. I um, love that 
little picture scene. And there's two other Minox or birds, whatever, going by. Love that scene. I learned, and also I learned from that Sound of Star Wars book, it didn't have about the, maybe it was a walker sound, but it did say about the birds. And apparently that, the bird cries as they go across the uh, screen like that is a combination of slowed down real bird sounds and, get this, a raccoon in a bathtub all right. Can I ask why it, it's in a bathtub? <laughs> because Ben Burt said it gave it a bit of an echo. If you put a raccoon in a bathtub, it's cries oh it makes. You know, <laughs> gives it a bit that's of an a, echo. That's, just, that's a genius move right there. Like, no, that's a, that? no, no, that's a sadistic move. Ben Burt, any sound <laughs> engineer, can put a bit of echo on anything. You just press a button, you can add an echo to anything. You yeah. don't need to put a creature into a bathtub to get a bit of echo. I think he was a sadist. Was was Peter around back then? Did anyone you know worry about the <laughs> raccoon in the tub? He was either a sadist or he 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 hated raccoons. <laughs> well, raccoons are are evil. And was it during the day or night? Because if it's at, if it's at night, a raccoon is you know all <laughs> full <of> rabies. <laughs> this is very true. All no, right. during the day, daytime's rabies raccoon, right? I don't know. I don't know. We don't have raccoons over here. <laughs> That's a good thing. We just see them in films and uh, in, in cartoons. We don't have anything like that over here. <laughs> All right. We've then got the full-size ship. Um, the canopy opens and Luke's not happy. I like the way he takes his glo- uh, gloves off and just, you know, slams well, I, them down. I, I laughed at that because he threw them uh, so, ang- so angrily, you know, like nowhere. <laughs> he threw yeah. them like, right in front of him. Yeah. He's a petulant boy. He's, he's like his father. That's an Anakin thing, that is. Yes, yes, it is. He's yeah. he's upset over, over nothing. Yeah, he threw his gloves super hard at at, at nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's spitting his dummy out, isn't he? Yes, but, yeah, 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 yeah. He climbs out, and R two raises up on his little platform thing or whatever it is that um, he I uses love that because I'm I'm looking for like maybe it, like people pushing him up or like hand hand or an elevator, but it looks like he's just rising up on that thing. So cool. Yeah, but, you know, when they made this, I mean, you just know there's two guys underneath, you know, mm-hmm. with, him, with him on their shoulders and and crouching down, and then they stand up. I, I reckon it's as simple as that, poor guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he tells R2 to stay put. Uh, the ship moves, and R2 topples in. Um, I'm, I'm taking it Kenny Baker's not in that when that happens. I'm guessing that, too, and this is where I have a question, because I don't know. All right, Luke is so-and-so height. I don't know how yes. I'll tell it. R2, with his telescope thing up, is still shorter than Luke. Yes. Do you think so? Yes. But when Luke jumps jumps in, he, it goes up to his neck. Yeah. Like, how deep is it? Is, is what I was just, just wondering at all. Well, in actual fact, the water is only three feet deep. So Mark Hamill, when he jumped in that, he would have had to have jumped in and basically sat on the bottom to yeah. get up to his neck, wouldn't he? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. He doesn't answer Luke's call, but as you say, his periscope pops up. Why does an astromech droid need a periscope? So he can see if he's in a swamp. <laughs> Blimey, that's foresight for you, isn't it? He, he, he's, he's got a gadget for every eventuality. So is he yeah. blind under, like, is that his eyeball? Like, is that how he's, he's, he's looking to where he's going? I don't know. I okay. don't know. Yeah. But we have the whole R2 that way. And yeah. like you say, Luke jumps in and, and watching it, I was thinking, do you think, you know, you, you know, the farm boy from a desert planet, is this the first time he's ever been in water? Damn, I, I knew you were going there. And that, that's a good question. I mean, so he, does, he, he, know how, does he, he know how to swim? Well, he yeah. Swim? I, he, he, 
presumably in the rebel basin there or maybe back on Tatooine you had a bath so he's had that amount of water but okay. um, I don't know I, I seem to remember in the Star Wars comics that came out you know uh, around this time there was something uh, there was some story where when him and Leia go to a water planet and he's kind of like freaking out because he's never seen that amount of water before or something like that so there was mention of it in the comics but I just huh. wonder in, in this timeline at this point, has Luke ever got... Because he must have, because he, he would... Yeah, you know, potential Jedi or not, if he's never been in that amount of water before, he's going to be a bit worried, isn't he? Well, that's the thing, is that with... I don't want to jump into any kind of water wearing any kind of clothing and shoes and whatnot. Like, I would, I would like, ugh, I got to hop in there all dressed. Mm. He didn't even he didn't even think twice. He just jumped right in, like... If he'd never seen that much water or swam or whatnot, he would be like, oh, you know, I want to sit down first, put put one foot in, my other foot in, and then hop in. You know what I mean? But he just jumped right in there. Ah, but do you think that little white bib thing he wears, is that like a life jacket as well? Oh, it could be now. <laughs> could be. Again, they're prepared for every eventuality, these rebels. They really are. Just in case, yeah, you land to a swamp. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Um, we see that R2's periscope is being pursued by a fin which is really nice that you don't see much of whatever that is. You yes. just see the fin of it. Um, and the periscope goes under, and Luke pulls out his blaster, and then we've got silence. I like all this. I mean, you know, it's quite a sustained moment. It's quite a suspenseful moment. I, I mean, I wasn't a kid when I first saw Empire Strikes Back, but, you know, I, I do wonder, you know, someone like yourself, do you think this was a, uh, you know, a scary moment, a tense moment, first time you ever saw this? I think so. I think when there's no music going on and the camera's just panning on on, on the water, I think it's like it's, it is kind of creepy, like almost like 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 Jaws ish. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Because you've got you've and, got the ambient sound as well. You've got the creature cries in the background yes. as well. You know. Yes, I did laugh though when 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 Luke brings out his blaster and water comes pouring out of, of the one side. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? It's because it's like a plastic blaster. It's just full up with water, isn't it? You know? Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> right, that's why right. it all pours out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, R2 is spat out then. Um, terrific moment. I love the way Mark Hamill, you know, we follow his eyeballs as they... Looks <laughs> up. Yeah. Looks across. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he crashes down. I mean, again, to do that crash, that you would have had some guys just out of shot, you know, and whoop, and... Give him a good chuck and know? throw him, and, and and we and we still think Kenny Baker's not in there. <laughs> no, no, I, I I'm guessing not. But uh, Luke, Luke finds him. Um, he's very dirty for a droid that's been underwater, don't you think? But I think he's only been under all... there for a few seconds. Yeah. And you're right. Maybe that's so. In, that's gook from inside the creature's belly that's still stuck to him. I did think that, and, and especially what's coming up in a minute when he he, he spits a load out, but. He, he yes. could have only been in there for a couple of seconds, but yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. He couldn't have been inside that beast for very long, but yeah, he's pretty, he, he's pretty messed up. But I guess here's here's a question: Did he get spat out, or did he get shat out? <laughs> <laughs> you think you think in the creatures it, it is like you know taking the hint, turned round, he's going off in the opposite direction and has a motion as he goes. That's why that he's what you're so saying? dirty and filthy. Oh. Got That's it sorted. Well done, Chris. You've answered it. Get on to Leyland Chi. Get this written down. <laughs> uh, he wasn't crazy. spat out. He was shat out. He was shat out. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Another change here. And I can't find 
a reason for this. Um, originally, in the cinema release and the original uh, video release, Luke says you don't. You're lucky you don't taste very good. Okay. Yeah. But on the yeah. Blu-rays now, he says you were lucky to get out of there. Jeez, I didn't even catch that. Wow. Well, I, I don't understand the change. From you're this, lucky you don't taste very good to you are lucky to get out of there. This is do they is is Mark Hamill's face the whole like on screen the whole time? They does his mouth? Did he, did he do two dialogue? No, because as he says that he's turned away from the camera and he's quite in shadow because it's while he's pushing R two back up straight. You see. Okay. Ah, I, uh, I know what it is. I know what it is, Chris. <laughs> Originally, he says, you're, lu you're lucky you don't taste very good. That was when R2 was spat out, right? <laughs> okay. it, it was changed when George Lucas decided he wasn't spat out, he was shat out. You were See? lucky to get out of there, you know, out through the sphincter muscle. That's what he's talking about. That's why the change was. I am a genius. I'm telling you. you I answered you... everything during that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we have, though, anything broken. And, um, yeah, he, he goes, I don't know, like something out of a dream. I, I know there's been lots of speculation that, you know, um, this is some sort of, like, force power coming in that, that, that Luke is remembering, you know, um, you know, uh, he's picking up on Yoda's, yeah. you, you, you know, memories or Ben's memories. Um, I, I, I remember, you know, years... Around the time of Empire Strikes Back, there was things about, oh, yeah, Luke remembers it because he's been here. He came here when he was a little boy. You know, he's I visited always, Yoda I always thought before. That too. Yeah, that he was been there before. Yeah, yeah. But this sequence, it ends with uh, maybe I'm just being crazy, and we do. We get R2, you know, expelling all this black gunk yeah. um, with a terrific little squeaky sound effect. Yes, him. and then Luke looks at him like so, like why you? Like he, it's Luke can look at a, at a droid and make you think that that droid is just a real <laughs> human being. <laughs> yeah, you know that that always got a laugh as well in the cinema. You know when he chucks all that stuff out, that always used to make uh, folk laugh. Did you notice? And I don't know when when R two landed and Luke was picking him up. It looked like there was like a big skeleton rib cage. Like really? right next to him, yeah. Like some kind of how the bones were going off. Like it looked like a gigantic creature's rib cage. It's not a tree root, is it? It didn't look like a tree root. Like to the left of the screen, you see like a looks like a pair of ribs, like but from a big a big monster. All right, I have to go and check it, and I'll, I'll put it up on Facebook. Um, okay. And, and yeah, we can discuss it there on Facebook. All right. Well, okay. that that's our sequence over because then you get a wipe and uh, you're back with the Star Destroyers and you're shortly about to see Darth Vader with his helmet off. So uh, that's the end of our sequence. So uh, let's have a little look at behind the scenes. Um, mm -hmm. In the original script, the X-Wing didn't lose power. It was just that Luke couldn't see out the cockpit. All right. Uh, okay. I prefer the way that they did it. It's, it's much more dramatic, isn't it, for him to lose power yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first plan to film Dagobah, it wasn't called Dagobah back then, it was called the Bog Planet, okay, um, uh, was in Africa. They were actually going to go to a real boggy location. I think they were looking at Florida as well um, and actually film in a real boggy environment. Now, you're you're saying boggy, and I think... Dagobah kind of sounds like boggy, kind of 
language. Dago, Boggo. <laughs> yeah, it could be, couldn't it? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Do you have the word bog in America, by the way? Mm, no, not that I can recall or think of, no. If I say I'm going to the bog, do you know what I mean? No idea. It's the toilet. It's no, slang for toilet. No, here at all. <laughs> yeah, in England, yeah, if you're going to the bog, you're going to the toilet. Huh. I'm yeah. going to start using that. <laughs> so if something's a bit boggy, there's a there's an element of ickiness as well as, you know, the the, the actual bogginess. There is a... Wow. In England, cool. there's, an, there, there's an inference, there's some excrement involved as well okay so, i got you yeah <laughs> I know what you're all right <laughs> but no they didn't they didn't film it on location they thought it would it, it would be much more sensible to actually keep it confined in a studio and they had a new stage built at elstree specifically for it and it was part funded by lucasfilm and part funded by elstree okay so they kind of like built it sharing the cost and then of course it stayed at elstree all right and it, it's a, it's a great set it looks muggy and wet and just disgusting it's a great set yep now bill welk one of the uh set designers um he said uh the bog planet is 112 tons of plaster there's 23 or 24 trees at four or five tons each scrim wow. he goes scrim which is the thing that's put into plaster to hold the whole thing together we're using 48,000 meters of it we have an area which is about 65 feet by approximately 45 feet with a three-foot depth of water. We therefore have to bring up all the ground levels up to three-foot plus. So, yeah, basically, it's like a paddling pool, 65 foot by 45 foot, okay, filled up with three foot of water, and then you have to pile in all this soil to build up the ground to be above three foot. How long did that take? You know, like, people today have no, have no idea how easy they have it. <laughs> and it was all physical, wasn't it? You know, yeah. it was it was all made by hand. You know, jeez, that's so. That's what makes the movies better because of how much work was put into it. It's so much. It's so much better to just get a bulldozer and make something. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you what I like as well is you know it looks terrific up on screen. It's terrific. Yeah. Elstree's my neck of the woods. It's not that far from here, okay? And Norman Reynolds said, uh, we use these great vines that are known locally as Old Man's Beard. We had prop people out scouring the various woods and forests around the studio in an area something like 20-odd miles, and we had lorry loads and lorry loads of these vines shipped to the studio. They actually helped to make that the thing that much more believable. So I love the fact that as great as Dagobah looks on screen, that you're using vines and roots from the English countryside, you know, yes. within 20 miles. You know? <laughs> that is amazing. How how close are you? Like, um, from Elstree, about an hour, hour and a half's drive from here. Did you ever go drive by once in a while and see if you see anything or just... No, you don't. I mean, the, sec the security is so, so ah. tight on all the studios. Um, another one not far from, from here is Pinewood. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can look through the fence and you can see the big sound stages there. And there's Black Park next door, which is where they film an awful lot of, you know, they've done the Superman films there. They've done the Harry Potter films, tons and tons of films there, you know. So oh, that's wow. good because you can go there. Yeah, if you ever come over to England, I'll take you to Black Park because I can take uh -huh. you to the actual spot where General Zod and Ursa and Non landed. You know, when they land on that lake and then General Zod raises up and, they, and walks on the water. Yes. Is, that's th that, Black Park. That, that's by you? 
that, that that's near enough that we've been there for a day trip oh. and a picnic you know God. so chris if you ever come over i'll take you to black park you can walk in the steps of zod yeah i i can't walk on the water but i'll walk right <laughs> i'll put some boxes filmed. out in the lake just under the water and you can go out and you can recreate that scene all right done <laughs> <laughs> right we'll consult our diaries for that one all right Okay. Now, where was I? Where was I? Oh, yes. When they went to shoot Luke's landing, you know, they had filled it up for quite some time because they were also, you know, on, on this stage that they had made. You had Yoda's hut was there as well and everything, and they'd done all that. But by the time they got to the bit where Luke lands and Mark Hamill jumps in the water, um, that water had been there for quite some time, and it was both stagnant and full of bugs, and some people got it, quite sick for it. It did look... Look really disgusting, actually. <laughs> yeah, very boggy. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the POV shot of the X-Wing landing, they put a camera in a mock-up of the front of the cockpit and window. Um, it's about G.I. Joe size, this cockpit that they made, and they put a camera inside, and they, they, they basically put it on a, on a ramp at like a 45-degree angle, and they just... This is what I love about real practical effects. They just let it go. It went down this ramp. In front of it are all these horizontal branches that um, that it smashes through. You've got guys either side with smoke guns setting off all the smoke to make it look like clouds. And at the end, there was a uh, a pool of water. And it was as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. So, so good. So good. Yeah. Um, the only other bit I've got is there were a number of swamp monsters that were designed... But they were never used. I mean, they just restricted it down to this fin that, you know, then grabs R2. But there were going to be other monsters. But they decided to cut that out because, you know, they wanted to get to Luke meeting Yoda. And they didn't want Luke to have too many other encounters on Dagobah before meeting, you know, this strange little gnome creature, you see. It takes it out, yeah. Like if he just if he met like thirteen people on the way, seeing Yoda's like, oh, another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah and also, yeah. yeah. I mean, if there are these big, scary, I don't know, rancor-sized creatures and that, you know, by the time you do get to Yoda, and it's like, uh, uh, there's a little guy, you know. Yeah, I prefer yeah. the big guy. You know, you lose the impact, don't you? You're yeah. right. Yep. All right, that was my behind the scenes. Uh, you're a pro at this now, so um, yeah. okay. we go on. We go on to the rating. Um, what do you think on just this? Se- it's quite a short sequence. I'm I'm quite surprised. You know, from Luke arriving to you know where we did the cutoff point, it's only like you know two or three minutes. But uh, yeah. it's it, it seems longer, but it's not, is it? No, no, it, it isn't. And it's it's so for those three two three minutes. It sucks you in, like where are they at now, and what's what's he gonna mm. find, and 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 the setting was a, was amazing. The only thing that I guess you know looked fake, but whatever, are the two birds. Yeah, but that's that for me. That that's fine by me. Yeah, because <laughs> number one, it's 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 Empire. Number two, it's a Star Wars movie, <laughs> and I'm giving this. And I th- I thought I was really thinking about messing you up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, not a point. No, I'm not. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do anything weird. I am giving it though. See, I want to give it. I'm giving it. I'm giving it nine. Okay, that that was, was very straightforward. Yeah, I was going to do eight point seven five, but no, I'm giving it. <laughs> well, that, well, thank thanks for that, Chris, because it means I don't have to tap away at my calculator. If you <laughs> if you give it a nine, nine, I'm giving it an eight. Okay. Um, okay. So it's an eight and a half. I, I just think it's a fabulous sequence. It, it, and, it, and it holds up. Yeah, th- those, those birds, 
um, yeah, you could say a mm, bit of a niggle, but you you barely see them, and they're all in shadow. Right, right. So like, even the even the the creature looks like there's a big ass creature in there. Like even mm. if it's just just a fin, we don't know how big it is. It's you're, all in the inference, mind, isn't it? Yeah, your mind goes goes crazy and all. Oh, so yeah. it's 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 a great scene. And it's an eight and a half. Excellent. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for, very much for that, Chris. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we talked before the show about the next sequence that you and I will be doing um, at the end of the summer. Um, let's see what rating that one's going to get. I've, um, mm. <laughs> oh, I, I already have a ranking in my head just to play with, with the scene a little bit. <laughs> all right, okay, all right, okay. To be continued in the summer, all right, Chris? All righty. Right, cheers then, matey, and speak to you soon. Okay, take care. Right, bye-bye.